Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready to take a bite out of the competition? Are you looking for ideas to make your business better? Welcome to the Core Business Show with Tim GK, sponsored by Apple Capital Group. At the core of every successful business, you'll find people making a difference. And with each episode of the Core Business Show, we talk with those people, examine those ideas, and explore the strategies that make them special. Now, the host of the Core Business Show, Tim Jacquet. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Core Business Show. I'm Tim Jacquet, your host. Today, we're going to talk about our national debt. My special guest today is uh, Jake Shannon. We're going to talk about what is the debt, uh, how did we get here, and uh, hopefully what's going to happen in the future. Uh, Jake, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks again, uh, Tim. Always a pleasure. Great. Tell us what is the national debt for those who don't know what it is, and how did we get here? Okay, so the national debt, there's, um, by and large, there's two ways that the government finances its operations. Everything it does from, you know, the Army to Social Security to all these other functions, there's two ways that it raises money. One is through taxation, um, which everybody listening should uh, unfortunately be um, familiar with. And the second is by issuing debt. And they do this by issuing um, treasury securities like bonds and, and they, these uh, municipal bonds at the local level, but at the federal level, uh, treasury bonds. So what has happened, unfortunately, is that we have largely financed the growth of our government through debt. So this is why everybody's very concerned about the national debt. They look at this uh, towering figure that now stands over $16 trillion, which, you know, we throw around these words, and, and I don't think people appreciate how big of a number that is. You know, if if you understand what a pile of $1,000 would look like, if you have 1,000 of those piles, that's a million. 1,000 million is a billion. 1,000 billion is a trillion. And we've got $16 trillion in debt. Now, we're running up against a very serious wall, and this is um, really what, what inspired me to write my latest book, which is um, Endonomics, which is you know putting together the words economics and the end, like the end of a movie or the end of the United States, mm-hmm. um, because there comes a time when we won't be able to issue any more debt because nobody wants to acquire more of our debt because most of our um, – the, the way that the interest is paid on the national debt is largely through our income taxes. Our taxes go to pay the interest on the national debt. Well, the problem is, if anybody um, listening understands the idea of compounding interest, that gets bigger and bigger quite – I mean, it really grows quite quickly. I mean, I think uh, it was Albert Einstein who said the most powerful force in nature is uh, compounding interest. So the problem is we're going to run up against a day when the tax receipts aren't going to be enough to even pay the interest due on the national debt. And just like any debt, whether it's mm-hmm. huge, like $16 trillion, or a personal debt, when you can't pay your minimum payments, you've got a serious problem. And that's usually when bankruptcy or default happens. Well, we're running up against that, that time uh, very, very 
very soon. In my book, I peg the the date right around 2020, 2025, somewhere in there, when uh, really the federal government is going to have to collapse. And I know that sounds crazy and, and apocalyptic, but but I'm really an apocalyptic. I think that that's actually going to be a good thing because that will force us to get our, our house in order and start to realistically look at how we finance uh, government expenditures. Well, you know, I know you just kind of walked us through how we uh, got there, but why all of a sudden that we start spending more than we actually taking in? Well, well, what see, this start that cycle? This is the thing. You know, we talk about, um, you know, the political rhetoric is just so disgusting to me anymore because both parties are really full of it. They don't actually speak the truth. They just tell people what they want to hear to get these people in office. But, you know, it was actually we haven't had a, a surplus since Bill Clinton. And the fact is, is that when you add a deficit, it's just when you spend more than you take in. And so the more deficits that you run, the bigger the debt gets. And if, by contrast, you run a surplus, then you would start working down the, the debt, just like if you were paying down a credit card or something like that. Well, we haven't had any surpluses since Bill Clinton, and as a matter of fact, the deficits have just been monstrous. So we're really running into some, some problems here. This has largely – this has gone on for a very, very long time, and, and if you look at uh, debt and you lay that on what's called a time series, like a graph that's laid out over years – you'll see there's a very interesting correlation between these debts and war. So we need to figure out a better way to help um, protect ourselves in the national scene without actually incurring these debts because what's going to happen when we're totally bankrupt? Then we won't be able to defend ourselves at all. And I think this is why uh, the former Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Mullen, says that you know our biggest threat to our national security isn't Iran, it isn't China, it isn't Al-Qaeda. The biggest threat to our national security is the national debt. Wow. This is, this and, and, is a very serious uh, crossroads that we're at right now, Tim. It's, mm -hmm. uh, and I don't think people really understand it. They're, you know, oh, it's football season. Oh, you know, Romney, Obama, blah, blah, blah. They don't understand. Whoever's elected we're in a very serious problem. And there's actually some relatively easy ways out, but unfortunately, um, the way that the establishment operates uh, historically, I don't think that's going to happen. I think they will probably end up bankrupting uh, the country, much like how okay. Greece is facing problems. Let's take a break real quick, and we'll be back in a moment to talk about some easy ways and uh, some solutions. We'll be back in a moment with the Core Business Show. I'm Tim Jacquet, your host. You're listening to The Core Business Show, sponsored by Apple Capital Group. Apple Capital Group in Jacksonville, Florida, is a commercial lender that specializes in asset-based loans, equipment leasing and financing, invoice financing, commercial real estate loans, and asset-based financing in the U.S. and Canada. Apple Capital Group is a direct lender that lends on their private equity investment portfolio. 90% of most loans are decided within two hours and vendor funding within 24 hours after documents are completed with a one-page application. No slow no's, just a quick decision and a fast yes. 
To get more information about lending from Apple Capital Group, call 866-611-7457. That's 866-611-7457 to speak with one of our loan specialists. Or visit us right now at applecapitalgroup.com. Welcome back to the core. Once again, here's Tim Jacquet. Yeah, uh, Tim Jacquet, we're back with the show. Question, real quick: When it comes to uh, the bulk of uh, the baby boomers are about to retire, why didn't we, within his last twelve years, kind of, uh, since we know this is going to happen and there's going to be a drop, take advantage while? the baby boomers were still in uh, the workforce uh, to help kind of cure some of these debt because once they pull out, they're going to start draining the system, cashing in. There was no thought. They just kicked the can down the road and say, hey, uh, let's let someone else deal with it? Yeah, Tim, you know, this is, you raise a really interesting point about the boomers and about demographics because um, what if you really want uh, um, to look at like have a crystal ball to see what's going to happen to the United States. Uh, you only really have to look at Japan. Um, Japan is in a very similar situation. Even though they have a, a big central bank that prints money, just not all that, the Bank of Japan, which is very similar to our Fed, they have a demographic shift that's a lot like ours, where we have these baby boomers that are retiring, and the subsequent generations following them aren't as big. And things like Social Security – the people who paid into Social Security, these were not like um, savings accounts where each individual's money is accounted for in and in, in kept in a separate account. It's a general fund, and the government has raided it, used that money for other things, um, and, and, and uh, frankly, all the estimates, the actuarial estimates are showing that it's in, in big trouble, that we're going to be running out of um, uh, money for the retirees here very, very soon. Why we never um, looked forward and, and did anything that and 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 you know I, I I catch myself saying things like why we never did it or you know why our government here's the problem there it's not we anymore it's not we the people these these there's a problem which is which is very nicely and succinctly uh, identified by the public choice school of economics. Their term is unfortunate because it doesn't make a lot of sense, but it is a good concept to know about. It's called rent-seeking, and it's about how certain economic actors seek to um, curry political favor at the expense of other economic actors. Um, it's kind of unfairness. It's like where they try to create laws or whatever to disadvantage their competitors. Well, we've had that happening time and time again, this collusion between government and and the economy. And that's just created all of these weird distortions and these, these kind of moral hazards, bad incentives for people to behave poorly, um, from lobbyists to the politicians to the businessmen themselves. And usually it's it's the people. You know, the people who are, are busting their hump, working a nine to five job, putting their money in, you know, into a social security um fund. And they're going to find that it's not there, unfortunately. And we don't have to have it that way. You know, I find that when the default comes, what we should do is we should default on the treasury holders because those are like any other financial instrument. People take them and realize there's a risk. It can go up or it can go down. Whereas Social Security, we could pay out everybody. I know uh, recent statistics by the Bureau of Land Management 
has shown that we have so much uh, property that we could sell and liquidate a lot of the, the government's assets and still make sure that the obligations to um, uh, baby boomers with regards to Social Security are met. And, you know, we need to start thinking smart. We need to allow people to opt out of these these systems and whatnot. And it, with regards to the national debt, we're going to be right before or maybe right after. I don't know uh, uh, how the political football will, will land but we're going to have to come up against this uh, raising this debt ceiling again. And we don't have to do that because all you have to do is you look at who are the major creditors to the United States? Who are we – who's giving us this money? Well, we know that China is a major creditor, but most people don't know that the Federal Reserve is right up there. And In, in fact, I'm not sure, but I think they may even um, be a bigger creditor to the United States than China. Well, all we have to do is say, look, excuse me, uh, Ben Bernanke, if in fact your interests are truly aligned with those of the United States American you know, taxpayer, then simply write down the debt that is owed to you. Just write it right off. You, you created the money out of, out of thin air. Why not just mm-hmm. write off all the money that the Treasury owes the Federal Reserve? Poof. The national debt would shrink like overnight. We would not have to worry about this kind of stuff. Well, tell us how that system actually operates. How well, do we owe? How so do we owe uh, Bernanke? Okay, so this is how money is created in the economy, and this is why okay. we owe the Federal Reserve. Well, and and you have to understand again, you and my taxes, income taxes, go to pay the interest on the national debt. Well, the interest largely goes to pay the Federal Reserve. So this is how money is created in our economy right now, unfortunately. And it, frankly, I don't know a better way to describe it, but it's like a Ponzi scheme. It's, it's like a scam. <laughs> it, I mean, I don't know a better way to, to describe it. I, I, I can, know. I can throw all the jargon it. at it. I can throw all the jargon at it that, that we that we want, but that's really what it is when, when we look at it. The fact is, is that the Treasury says we need more money in the market. I'm going to give you this uh, uh, this IOU, this treasury bond, okay? I'm going to give it to you, which is just like any other loan, right, where if you were to take out a mortgage or a credit card or anything like that. We're going to – you give us money, and then we'll give you interest on that money, okay? And so the Federal Reserve makes money through seniorage, and it mm-hmm. has all these treasury securities on its balance sheet. And so this is really what happens. But the money that is given to the Treasury from the Federal Reserve is simply created out of thin air. I mean, that's it. It's no more complicated than that. I mean, the, the nitty-gritty is very complicated. But really what is actually happening is that, that the Federal Reserve says, oh, here, I'll give you all this money. And they just were in the back room printing it. And it's usually not actually physically printed money. Most times it's uh, electronic. It's just they add some zeros on the – uh, end of the account. I mean, it's a total 100% made-up thing. So what do you think is an easy solution? Um, what what do we really need to do in order to kind of solve this problem? Well, I do think that, you know, uh, kind of this, this movement started by Ron Paul is a good idea, this audit the Fed kind of movement. I think that we should really seriously consider pulling out of uh, central banking, not like not unlike what we see Iceland uh, has done, uh, 
removing itself as much as it can from central banking, or also what we see in uh, the European Union now. There's a, a bunch of members like, yeah, I think we're going to pull out of this whole uh, central banking thing. We really need to contemplate doing that. We need to put pressure on uh, Bernanke to just write down the amount of money owed to uh, uh, the Federal Reserve. That would help us tremendously, especially when you look at the the one thing that I think that was great about this audit the Fed thing that Ron Paul was able to push through is you look and you see that the total amount of money that was lent out during TARP, and this is to international banks. This isn't to the United States. Money that didn't make it to Main Street. This was money that went out to Wall Street. It was $16 trillion. Well, that same amount of money could have paid off the $16 trillion in national debt, but they didn't. And the problem is, is their interests are not aligned with that of, of the United States government. It's a very serious um, conflict of interest. Uh, well, not even with the interests of the government, but with the American people. And we need to very, very much consider. In my book, I consider uh, endonomics, hopefully someday, to be the study of the end of central banking, how to remove from ourselves from the EU, how to remove ourselves from the Federal Reserve. Talking about people, uh, how does the national debt affect uh, the average person uh, in America? Uh, it's it's connected with us, but it's not really connected. How in everyday lives, how does it affect that, uh, that person? In the future, yes, but for right now, how does it affect us? Well, right now, anybody who uh, has money taken out via withholding, um, that is affecting you because your money uh, that gets paid to the IRS is just paying the interest on the on the national debt. I mean, that's about you know if you wanted a real economic stimulus instead of doing what they did, just repeal the Sixteenth Amendment and let people keep all that money. You know, if you look at Tax Day, uh, which is the day that celebrates um, you know when we actually stop paying uh, taxes to the government, meaning as a percentage of your total wages. I mean, that's been creeping up further and further every year. I think last year was like in August. So we're working all the way to August to pay off taxes, and then we only get to keep for our – to put food on the table for our family money from August to the end of the year. If we got rid of that, it changed kind of our corrupt monetary system and, frankly, our corrupt taxation system. We could really help the American people, I mean, in a real profound way. That would be a huge stimulus. And I know these are big ideas, but, you know, if we're going to be doing crazy stuff like TARP and auto bailouts, why don't we at least, you know, put all this effort and all these big grand um, gestures in, in a direction that actually will help, like ending the Federal Reserve, like repealing the 16th Amendment and changing our, the way our tax system works. Will that start a spiral effect? Because if you do that, then you knock in the economy off its foundation – the, now you don't have any funding for agencies or entitlements, and so how can you change an entire system around? You're talking about this huge Titanic, and how can you keep it from you know sinking or just turning course in you know in cold icy waters? Well, you, you raise a very very good point, and, and and I understand that, but I think what people don't understand is that all the entitlements, everything's going away anyway if we don't do this. Um, so it's, it's how do we address the facts of reality? Do we, with foresight, saying, yes, the Congressional Budget Office, which is nonpartisan, yes, the General Accounting Office, which is nonpartisan, they're all saying the same thing that I am, that we're in very serious trouble, that 
that the United States uh, will no longer be able to fund this stuff in about 10, 15 years. Okay. Do we just put our head in the sand and keep along and then for 10 or 15 years keep it going and then totally collapse? Or do we get ahead of it and say, oh, man, this stuff's going to go away, guys. We've got 10 or 15 years. Let's right now, enough uh, political nonsense, figure out how we're going to manage this transition. Because it's, as much as I wish that that stuff couldn't change, uh, could stay the same or whatever, mm-hmm. it's not going to. We have to deal with the, the political reality that all that stuff will go away either way. It's just are we going to be ahead of it or are we going to wait to, for it to, the, the rug to be pulled out from under our feet? Well, so if we do default, or how can we play play this out? If we default, or you know, we play with deflation in the future, how will this all play out? Well, you know, it, you have to understand that um, that this kind of stuff, like um, Ecuador, has defaulted on its debt, and they're still fine. Actually, their economy is stronger than ever. Um, the United States in the 1840s suffered uh, a massive deflation. Not all that uh, dissimilar to what we're going through now, and they defaulted on many of the debts uh, that they owed, and everything was fine. This is a natural uh, occurrence. It's this is why I said earlier that I'm an apocalyptic. Uh, what what I don't like is this this pandering where we either don't change anything, which is kind of like uh, the Obama budget plan, or uh, like the Ryan budget plan, which is totally even worse because it's just not even dealing with reality, or if he trims off just a little bit less than Obama. But actually, his is even completely less realistic because 75% of our spending is fixed by law. You can't tweak that uh, like he Mm -hmm. thinks you can. But um, we have to make a radical shift, I mean a radical, radical shift, to be able to get this budget under uh, under wrapped. And it's unfortunately, it's not going to be Mitt Romney, and it's certainly not going to be Obama. We need a different kind of thinking. Uh, in Washington, and we need that, I think, not from the top down necessarily. I think so many people uh, are relying on politicians. We, the people, from the bottom up, need to just relentlessly pursue um, anybody who has a pen uh, and is spending taxpayer money. We need to really get seriously involved. Okay. Uh, what happens when we get ready uh, in January, the end of the year? It's going to come again. We're going to have to raise the debt limit uh, again <laughs> in order to pay for our bills. What should happen at that particular point? Um, it's going to have to get done anyway, so it's not. They might kick and scream about it, and they're going to kick the can to the after the election. But what should we be thinking when they do that again? Well, Is it going to happen again in another six months? Here's the thing. I mean, you know, if I was a, if I was to bet on these things, now I'm saying what we can do and what we should do. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. I don't think we will. I think we will probably go the course of the status quo, largely making some, some just, uh, you know, surface fake gestures, but not really addressing things. I think that the system will get um, overwrought and we will have a collapse. I think you know, two, 2013 is a very scary year. Uh, a bunch of taxes are going to be going up. A lot of new taxes will be implemented. Um, it's going to it's going to put so much pressure on the economy and on families and uh, entrepreneurs. I don't know that there's a whole lot that we can do other than uh, just buckle <laughs> buckle down the uh, batten down the hatches and, and hang on to your life. I don't think it's going to be super bad. I think when the transition comes, I do, like I said, I, there's. 
I think we have about a 10 or 15 year window um, as this transition happens. There will be certain uncomfortable situations. I, I liken it to when, say, the Soviet Union uh, collapsed under the weight of its own debt. We're going to have a very similar situation. Ultimately, it was better for the for the Russian people. Now they've got cell phones. They've got all kinds of different car choices, whereas they only had like they could buy one car if they were able to get a car. They'd have to stand in line for toilet paper. I think it will be, unfortunately, uh, a little awkward when infrastructure things like the trash isn't picked up and that kind of stuff, but ultimately we'll be fine. And what I'm hoping is that when we rebuild, you know, uh, that the collapse of the American empire will be good for the American Republic, for the Bill of Rights, for, you know, I'm hoping that the young people who re- rebuild in 10, 15 years learn the lessons instead of further going that route and, and taking handouts from central bankers like the IMF or uh, the Bank for International Settlements or that kind of thing. I hope that we mm-hmm. figure out, mm, yeah, we're done with central banking. Okay. Uh, a takeaway from the Republican convention, also the Democratic convention, um, anything that they said that we could take seriously that they're going to solve this particular issue? No. Or they're just blowing smoke in our fort and they just had to deal with it in January. Whoever has Yeah, I mean, office. it's all. I mean, honestly, I look at Democrats versus Republicans like I look at um, The Rock versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. I, it's about as real <laughs> to me. You know what I mean? Like, you can get into it and excited and watch their interesting moves and their smack talk, but it's a bunch of crap. You know, it's 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 not going to change anything, unfortunately. The only guy out there who who really has anything serious to say and any uh, substantial change is Gary Johnson, and he's you know he, he's successful two-term uh, former Republican governor of New Mexico, voted uh, elected, reelected in a two-to-one Democratic state. I mean, this guy's got more executive experience than Obama and, and Romney, but you know the establishment doesn't want him in there, and. Uh, so while he's the best man for the job, people will continue to vote for the lesser of two evils instead of the right man for the job, unfortunately. So it, it'll still be this phony pro wrestling. Well, anything you would like to leave us with? Also, where can we find your book? Um, yeah, I mean, just, you know, be an optimist. Understand that the end is coming. Try to plan and prepare. But it's not going to be awful. I mean, as long as we're vigilant and keep our eyes open, everything will be okay. If you want to understand deeper kind of what I'm talking about, and you don't have to believe me, my book is very well sourced, um, you can just go to endonomics.com, and that will actually take you right to the Amazon.com page. You can buy it there. It's not expensive. It's about 100 pages, and it might take you a minute or two to read. I mean, I do have a Master's of Science in Financial Math. I tried to leave as many. There's no formulas, and I have very few graphs. I try to to make it very clear, but I packed a lot in there. So you might have to read it a time or two, but I wrote it because I thought it was important for people to understand this and to have a bit of a, a roadmap. So if, if people are interested, they can check out endonomics.com. Perfect. Well, Jake, thank you for joining the program. Hey, Jim, I appreciate it. Okay. Have a great day. Thank you again. Okay. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Again, that was Jake Shannon. We were talking about his uh, debt um, you can go ahead and download this episode uh, on iTunes or Block Talk Radio. Again, this is our discussion on the national debt. Uh, we surpassed $16 billion. 
And hopefully uh, he has some great advice in his book, and I'm sure he, he does. Uh, go ahead and, and go to the uh, Amazon and go purchase his book and and kind of call in and share your thoughts with us. Anyway, thank you for listening to the program. Everybody, this is Corey Business Show with Tim Jacquet. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Core Business Show with Tim Jacquet. For a free quote on equipment leasing and financing, visit our website, applecapitalgroup.com. That's applecapitalgroup.com. And fill out the information to receive your free quote. We hope you'll join us for our next episode. And remember, you can always get to the core via iTunes. You'll find all our previous episodes there. Thanks again for listening to the Core Business Show with Tim Jacquet.